G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I think sometimes people think that God disapproves of sex. How ridiculous. God created sex. Our culture has hijacked this gift God created. Pastor Greg Laurie says we need to get back to God's original plan. It doesn't have to be a dirty word. It doesn't have to be a taboo subject. It's something that can be enjoyable, pleasurable, and listen to this, even blessed, but only in the boundaries and safety of a marriage relationship. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life Some people might think taking God's advice on sex is like taking the principal's advice on how to have a fun day at school Just a lot of don't you dares. But today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie reminds us that God created us and sex was his idea. And we'll see that as we follow his guidelines, we'll find the fulfillment that we long for. It's part of an encouraging series on family called Home Sweet Home and one of our most requested messages of the past year. The title of my message today is God's Plan for Sex in Marriage. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Okay, so yes, I use the word sex and I'm going to talk about that. God has a lot to say about this subject and I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. God takes us back to the very beginning. Verse 31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We'll stop there. You know, it's interesting, after Adam and Eve were married, the Bible says God called their name Adam. He saw them as one flesh, to become one. And so when you're married, you're, you're you know, technically one flesh. But it's a lifetime now of discovering what that means. So first you leave and then you cleave. Now what does the word cleave mean? Well it doesn't mean to divide as in a meat cleaver. It actually means to bring together. It suggests a determined action. There's nothing passive about the act of cleaving. It's like climbing a mountain. You're hanging on. I see these people who, who go and scale the, the sides of mountains and they have their little tools and their, and their little hammers and nails and, and lines that they hang and I can't believe what these people do. You know, they get up there and they reach up and, and they dink, 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 dink and then they put in a little, put the rope to and they'll swing. I, that's insane to me. But that's what marriage should look like. You're holding on. You're clinging to each other. It doesn't mean you're stuck together. It means you're sticking together. You ever work with super glue? Um, I've had some bad experiences with it actually. 
I was always a bad model builder when I was a kid, but I loved models. I think it was because I was impatient. You know, because I wouldn't wait for the glue to dry. Then super glue came along and you know, the first time I pulled it out I thought, wow, it's like you, there's nothing really even there. It's almost like it's invisible. And so I did something they told me not to do. Don't put it on both your fingers. And I glued my thumb to my finger like this. And so people thought I was saying okay for about a month. Just, so it's not being stuck. It's holding on to each other. And one of the ways that we express that love, one of the ways that we demonstrate that love is through the sexual union. You know, I think sometimes people think that God disapproves of sex. How ridiculous. God created sex. And clearly in the Bible we can see that He gave it to us to be fruitful and multiply. So yes, it's for bringing children into the world. But God didn't say you couldn't have some fun while you're doing it. And you can have fun in sex. It doesn't have to be a dirty word. It doesn't have to be a taboo subject. It's something that can be enjoyable, pleasurable, and listen to this, even blessed, but only in the boundaries and safety of a marriage relationship. That's the only place God will bless it. Outside of marriage, actually sex can be an extremely destructive thing. It's sort of like dark rich soil. It's beautiful in the garden. Not so nice if you bring it in on your white carpet in the house. So we need to keep sex in its proper place. But casual sexual encounters are made to look harmless and fun and sitcoms and in music today it's celebrated about all these things that people are going to do to each other. And, and you know, you think of the impact it's had on our culture. Think of how different our world would be if we just obeyed one of the Ten Commandments, just one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That means that families would be together. So many families are broken up because of adultery. And then there are people that have premarital sex that never get married so the child is conceived out of wedlock. I was conceived out of wedlock, by the way. So I know a little bit about this. I know what it's like to never have a stable father figure in my life. I know what it's like to make a lot of bad choices and face the consequences for them. That was my trajectory until Jesus Christ came and turned my life around. But so many kids today haven't heard about Jesus Christ. There's no dad. There's never been a dad. Mom just got pregnant. And maybe it even happened two or three times. So they, you know, here's, or maybe it's even different dads if you want to call them dads. Though they're really not much of a father in my book. So you have a bunch of kids that are stepbrothers to each other, stepsisters and so forth. And then you have this kind of lifestyle that's being lived. And you could take almost every social ill in America today and specifically break it down to the breakdown of the family and to the absence of fathers. There's a lot of stats to back that up, by the way. 63% of teenagers who attempt suicide live in fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaways and homeless children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless sons are 300% more likely to be incarcerated in state juvenile institutions. Oh my. If we would just do what God said. And we would just get back to what he tells us about a husband and a wife and a father and a mother. It would change our country. 
But we say, oh, well, no, God doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I want to go out there and, and I want to have fun and I want to have sex with whoever I want to have sex with. And besides, what's the problem as long as they're consenting adults? Why has God even laid down a law like this? And doesn't he know we have raging hormones? God laid those laws down for your own good. Sort of like traffic laws. You know, when you're uh, in, backed up for two miles in traffic, and then you see the ongoing lane and the other direction is empty, it can be tempting sometimes to leave your lane. Sort of like the way they drive in Italy. Last time I was there, I had an afternoon off and I rented a Vespa scooter. And so I said, come on Kathy, let's just ride around and roam. And she wasn't real excited about this idea, but I was. I, I rent a motorcycle too, so I felt pretty confident in commandeering a little scooter. And so we got on it, but I realized people in Rome, Italy drive differently than we do here in the United States. They see lights as, I guess a suggestion? I'm not even sure. <laughs> they, they go around, they go into oncoming traffic. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, so there's so many scooters there that they're like little swarms of bees that just kind of go through those lanes and they go into the oncoming lane and come around the front. At first I thought, this is crazy. This is insane. This is fun. I like this. <laughs> Kathy's terrified, but she was holding up very tightly, so it was good. You know, but see, that's a crazy way to have a road system. We need order. We need structure. People get killed when you live that way. And the same is true of marriage. If we would just obey what God says in His Word. Because you see, when you engage in a sexual relationship with a person, you enter into a state of oneness. Sex is meant to show oneness, a bond. So if you say, well, it meant nothing. It was a one night stand. No, it wasn't. Actually, the Apostle Paul said, if you're even involved with a prostitute, you enter into a oneness with her. First Corinthians 6.16. 6, Don't you know that when a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says that two are united into one. But the spirit who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So run away from all sexual sin and be joined to the Lord. And because sexual sin affects the body and it's a sin against your own body. So there's no such thing as a one night fling there's no such thing as some little hookup you had that you think is meaningless. It means a lot to God and it should mean a lot to you. So you need to do it God's way. Well, come on now, Craig. Does it really hurt anyone? Yeah, it hurts a lot of people. What about innocent babies killed through abortion? What about that? That alone is mind-blowing how many millions of children have been eliminated. Who knows out of all those millions of children that have been aborted if we would have not had the next doctor who would have found the cure for cancer. If we not, would have not have had the next, who knows, great preacher to reach our country, whatever. But all those lives needlessly thrown away and then doesn't hurt anybody. What about the mother that contends with the abortion years later? Sometimes the pain of the abortion doesn't fully sink in until that young girl who may have got it in her teens now realizes what she did. And as the years pass by and she sees other little children who would have been the age of her child if she had brought the little one to term, she realizes the significance of what she's done. What about that? What about venereal disease? 
What about the AIDS virus? Yeah, it does hurt people. God has laid these laws down for our own good. So we want to pay careful attention to them. Because God will bless this as you come together in His perfect plan. We're talking about the sexual aspect of marriage relationships today. And recently, Pastor Greg was part of a panel discussion on the subject alongside several of his associate pastors at his home church. It's a frank discussion, and parents, if there are younger ears listening, you might like to consider another activity for them for the next couple of minutes. Sex outside of marriage is destructive. So there's somebody listening right now, they're saying, well, actually, I think sex outside of marriage is a lot of fun. And they're enjoying themselves. And, and, you know, the Bible even says that there can be pleasure in sin for a time. We're not denying that fact. But there's repercussions. People don't think about the long term. Why don't we talk just for a moment, how can sex, or why is sex outside of marriage destructive. What do you think, Jason? Well, I think obviously it's a direct disobedience to God. Yeah. I mean, God designed it, and so he said you shouldn't. Right. And so you're separating yourself from God. It's, a, it's it. just sin before God, and this is what God says about it. It's a sin, and it's wrong. Now, on top of all of that, you reap the, you're reaping what you sow here. You are going to get, as I mentioned, yeah. you know, um, thoughts, and you might even reap repercussions as, let's just say, a pregnancy or an STD. Yeah. But even more than that, I think, uh, it's just your relationship with God. You yeah. know, really becomes, uh, I'd say, in jeopardy because of your your decisions here in in sex outside of marriage. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You know, um, sin can almost be compared to being drunk. Drunk people don't always know they're drunk. They think they're funny. They think they're cool. They think they're in control, and they're out of control. When you come under the power of sin, it's amazing how stupid you can be. So, you know, sin makes you stupid. And so if someone's listening right now uh, and they're like having sex and they've somehow rationalized, this is outside of marriage, of course, uh, and they've somehow rationalized it and said, no, I think in my case it's all right. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's cool, my child, have fun, or something like that. Okay, first of all, that wasn't God because God will never contradict His Word. But if you've gotten into a state where you have managed to rationalize it and you feel okay about it, that's actually an indication you are under the power of sin and you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. So that's why when we come back to Scripture, it sort of realigns us. Like, oh right, this is what is true. Because our emotions and culture and so many things are, well, they're at war with the Word of God is the reality. What do you think, Jonathan? Absolutely. is It is so easy to feel like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a special case. God made yeah. a, a special exception for me. I can have sex with my girlfriend or, hey, I'm, I'm viewing pornography. And so it's not the same as right. going out and sleeping with different girls. This is okay yeah. uh, with God. This is special. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, yeah. your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. This is the word of God. This is yeah. what the Bible says, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, a lot of times people will say, I need to know the will of God. What's his will? Hey, let's start with the no-brainers. The Bible actually has some things very clear. Uh, it's very clear in certain topics, like this is the will of God, and this is one of them there in Thessalonians. This is the will of God, to so abstain from these things. Absolutely. Here's a good one. Um, what would you say to a, a single person who has sexual temptations, strong sexual temptations, any specific defense mechanism? Welcome to the human race. <laughs> Everybody does. God wired us that way. And so there's nothing wrong with that. There's just a right and a wrong place for that. And it's not a sin to be tempted. Uh, it's a sin when you give in to the temptation. 
So you need to understand that. So when temptation comes knocking and it comes at some very inopportune times, like you could be sitting in church just listening to a message. All of a sudden this impure thought comes or, or some hatred or anger or whatever the sin might be comes. Yeah, you don't have to let it in. Don't invite it in for a cup of tea and have a conversation with it, right? So you know, you keep it at bay. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so that's the important thing. And how do you do it? Well, Jesus gave us a model. When he was tempted in the wilderness, every time Satan came at him with a temptation, Christ came back with the response, it is written. He applied the word of God. The scripture says in Psalms, how can a young man cleanse his way? Answer, by taking heed according to your word. So we could expand that to a young woman. How can a young woman, how can a young man stay pure? Remember the scripture. Memorize the scripture. And when you're tempted, quote the scripture to yourself and remind yourself. For starters, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of the first verses I ever memorized. I think it was 17 when I memorized it. So this is five years ago. Um, <laughs> plus a few more. Uh, there is, I better remember it now. But uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God who is faithful will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. But what with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Yeah. I memorized that when I was just a kid and it stayed with me all these years. And I'll tell you what, it's a great verse to memorize. And basically what it's saying, loose paraphrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. But sometimes we unnecessarily put ourselves in the way of temptation. It's like saying, why is this fire getting larger as I pour gasoline on it? So, you know, if you're looking at porn all the time and, and then you go, man, I'm just thinking about sex all the time. Yeah, because you're feeding the fire. So the objective is don't feed the fire, starve the fire. That's because good. the only place that sexual desire can be properly satisfied is within the safety and the guardrails, as Jason pointed out, of a marriage commitment. That's Pastor Greg Laurie speaking with his associate pastors, Jason Powell, Jared Wilson, and Jonathan Laurie, about God's plan for sex within marriage, an important edition of A New Beginning Today. Now tomorrow, Pastor Greg has more counsel from this message, God's plan for sex and marriage, some good insight on helping our marriages go the distance, next time, right here. Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called God's Plan for Sex and Marriage. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.